We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 750 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Monday, January 29th, 2024. Super Bowl 58 now is set, and so too, perhaps, is the commander's next head coach. We have the San Francisco 49ers versus the Kansas City Chiefs in Super Bowl 58, which is happening at Allegiant Stadium in Paradise, Nevada, on Sunday evening, February 11th. NFC Championship game on Sunday evening. The Niners overcame a 24-7 halftime deficit in a 34-31 win over the Detroit Lions. AFC Championship game on Sunday. The Chiefs won at the Baltimore Ravens 17-10. But for our purposes as Commanders fans, the seasons for four of the Commanders reported head coach candidates are done. Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson and defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn and Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald and assistant head coach slash defensive line coach Anthony Weaver. And so the commanders this week, likely over the next two days, Monday and Tuesday, reportedly are conducting second interviews with these guys and Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. And so we should have our new commander's head coach this week. And I do expect that person to be Ben Johnson. The Lions collapse in the NFC Championship game. Bad for the Lions, but good for the Commanders. Hello and welcome to this Monday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. The many people who used to be with Washington but now are on the Niners are headed to the Super Bowl. Head coach Kyle Shanahan, left tackle Trent Williams, edge defender Chase Young. But our friend Chase is getting skewered for for yet another bad look on a big play this NFL postseason. The 24-21 win over the Green Bay Packers on January 20th in the divisional round. Uh, Chase got embarrassed on Packers running back Aaron Jones's fourth quarter, first and 10 
53-yard under center toss run as Chase on that play got blocked big time by a receiver, a receiver who went to Virginia, Dontavian Wicks. Well, Chase in this NFC Championship game, a total <laughs> loafer, a total lack of effort giver on Lions running back Jameer Gibbs's second quarter, first and 10, 15-yard under center toss a touchdown run. You know, I'm not big on obsessing with former Washington players and coaches once those people leave our team, but I do pay attention to how these people are doing. And specific to Chase, how he does moving forward matters because it matters whether our team blew it with Chase or if Chase just ain't all that. Well, Chase got handled on that big run by Aaron Jones in the divisional round and Chase had tapped out on this touchdown run by Jameer Gibbs. Chase, at one point, (laughs) is just standing there, just standing there, and then meekly extends his left arm in a meaningless and worthless attempt to tackle Gibbs. Not a good look for the Predator. Next segment, the very latest in the Commander's head coaching search. There has been so much that has come up over the last 72 hours. Uh, Some of it is conflicting. Uh, I'll take it through what matters and where we are and what is coming. And yes, I do anticipate Ben Johnson being named Commander's head coach soon, uh, as in this week. Also on the show, the rest of our Washington, D.C. area sports weekend, I will talk Capitals. They, on Saturday afternoon, overcame a 4-2 third-period deficit with two goals over the final two minutes, one second of the third period, but ultimately did suffer a fourth consecutive loss, a 5-4 overtime loss at the Dallas Stars. Top-line left-wing Alex Ovechkin did have a very good game, but the Caps, who now are in the midst of a weak plus break, have some uh, big picture thinking to do. Where are we exactly with the Caps? Uh, I will talk Wizards. Uh, They, on Saturday afternoon, won at the NBA Worst Detroit Pistons, 118-104 in game number two for Brian Keith, his Wizards interim head coach. I'll get into that, as well as some notable comments from ESPN NBA insider Brian Windhorst on what the Wizards are thinking regarding the NBA trade deadline. Uh, I will talk college basketball blowout wins on Saturday for Maryland, Virginia, and Virginia Tech, but a loss on Saturday for Georgetown. Maryland routed Nebraska 73-51 at Xfinity Center in College Park, Maryland on Saturday afternoon. Virginia won at Louisville 69-52 on Saturday afternoon. Virginia Tech smashed Georgia Tech 91-67 at Castle Coliseum in Blacksburg, Virginia on Saturday evening. But Georgetown lost at Providence 84 476 on Saturday afternoon, despite overcoming a 12-point second-half deficit in what was Hoyas head coach Ed Cooley's first game against Providence since leaving Providence to become Hoyas head coach last March. Uh, And I will talk Nationals and Orioles. The Nats on Saturday afternoon officially announced having agreed with free agent outfielder slash first baseman Joey Gallo on a one-year contract with a mutual option for 2025. And MLB Pipeline on Friday night released the outlet's latest list of the top 100 prospects in baseball. Some very noteworthy rankings for Nats and Orioles prospects. You can hit me up on X at El Galdi. You can email me, the El Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Stanley Evans on the commander's next 
defensive coordinator, right, Stanley? No reports of Mike Vrabel, Bill Belichick, or Pete Carroll being interviewed by the commanders for their head coaching vacancy. What all of these guys have in common is a defensive background. Do you suppose that the commanders might be offering a whole lot of money to one of these guys to be our defensive coordinator? I know that nothing is set in stone for Ben Johnson to be our head coach, but all indications are that he will be our head coach. I'm wondering if Johnson has told the team who he has in mind to hire as his defensive coordinator. Bill Belichick, Mike Rabel, and Pete Carroll all not being hired this offseason would be shocking, but if all of the head coaching spots are filled, would one of these guys be willing to be a defensive coordinator for a large salary? Uh, Thank you for the email, Stanley. Uh, Well, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, and Mike Vrabel have been successful enough as NFL head coaches to where I would be surprised if any of them took a defensive coordinator job this offseason. I think that if they all do not get head coaching jobs this offseason, then all of those guys will wait until next offseason's head coaching cycle to take a job. Uh, But would I take any of those guys as the commander's next defensive coordinator? Uh, Yes. uh, Heck yes, I would. Uh, I just have a hard time seeing any of those guys settling for a defensive coordinator job this offseason, especially Bill Belichick, right? I mean, he is the greatest head coach in NFL history, or at least one of the greatest head coaches in NFL history. He, for years, had player personnel control with the New England Patriots. He's going to go from that to being beneath a first-time NFL head coach in his 30s and Ben Johnson. Uh, Never say never, but I'm not holding my breath on that happening. But there is a larger point here, and that is once the commanders make their head coaching hire, the coordinator hires are going to be big, especially the coordinator for the opposite of the background of the head coach. So defensive coordinator, if the team hires an offensive-minded head coach, and offensive coordinator, if the team hires a defensive-minded head coach. Email from Thomas on new Atlanta Falcons head coach and former commander's head coaching candidate Raheem Morris, uh, on whom we got Great perspective on Friday's show, episode 749, via conversation with Los Angeles Rams insider Greg Beecham of the Associated Press. Writes Thomas, your episode about Raheem Morris did not give me confidence in him. It made me more concerned about him as a head coach. Les Snead and Greg Beecham speaking so glowingly about Raheem were performances reminiscent of Shakespeare, (laughs) but I fear that in the end, this show may be the emperor's new clothes. If Raheem is so good, why do these people need to sell him so hard? This is even more over the top than the sell job for EB last offseason. Thank you. For the email, Thomas, uh, it is customary for a general manager and or head coach to do a hard sell for an assistant coach in order for the assistant to get a head coaching job. Uh, now, not all hard sells are equally hard, uh, but people with the Lions have been raving about Ben Johnson, and nobody's talking about that as a case of people uh, doth protesting too much. Uh, the Eric Bieniemy thing is interesting to look back on. Let's say that he last February had decided to not become commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator. Was him simply remaining as Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator what he would have done? The Chiefs did not hesitate to promote Matt Nagy from senior offensive assistant slash quarterbacks coach 
to offensive coordinator to replace Bieniemy, who, remember, replaced Nagy as Chiefs offensive coordinator when Nagy became Chicago Bears head coach. But did Chiefs head coach Andy Reid want Eric Bieniemy to leave so that Reid could go back to Nagy as offensive coordinator? And were there other job offers for Bieniemy last offseason beyond the job offer from the commanders. You know, we have never heard of any other job offers for Bienemy last offseason. Doesn't mean that there weren't any or would not have been, but we've never heard of any other offers. Uh, the saga of Eric Bienemy seeking an NFL head coaching job seemingly has run into a brick wall. I mean, the whole point of him coming to the commanders was to enhance his chance of getting an NFL head coaching job, but instead, his uh, time with our team seemingly has decreased his chance of getting an NFL head coaching job. He, in this head coaching cycle, has not come up at all, uh, save for that interview that the commanders reportedly gave him, an interview that certainly seems to have been a courtesy interview as much as anything. Uh, And as offensive coordinator jobs around the NFL are starting to fill up, you wonder where the enemy will land. Uh, Although technically he is still under contract to the commanders. He is still technically an employee of the commanders. Well, Eric Bieniemy's 2023 season with the commanders may not have worked out, but going with the great law firm of Paulson and Nace will work out. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm dedicated to promoting the rights of seriously injured persons and their families. In your and your family's greatest time of need, Paulson and Nace is there for you. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in and out of courtrooms. In fact, Paulson and Nace was just named as part of U.S. News and World Report's Best Law Firms 2024 edition. And Chris Nace and Matt Nace specifically are dedicated and decorated trial attorneys. Uh, Chris Nace in May was named the 2023 Barry J. Nace Trial Lawyer of the Year. This by the D.C. Trial Lawyers Association. Chris in July was elected as the parliamentarian of the American Association for Justice and both Chris and Matt Nace in August were recognized by Best Lawyers in America for 2024. Why the accolades? Well, Paulson and Nace fights for you. Paulson and Nace does not accept low settlement offers that benefit the people who cause clients harm more than the offers benefit the clients. This is because Paulson and Nace is not afraid to take a case to trial. And that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. Paulson and Nace has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace.
A thank you to all of you who have given this podcast a five-star rating and who have written nice reviews of the podcast. You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review does not have to be long. can be just a sentence or two. But the ratings and the reviews help us out a lot. So thank you very much for doing them. The Commanders almost certainly We'll have a new head coach this week, perhaps as soon as Tuesday. Uh, They, in their head coaching search, reportedly have interviewed eight people. One of those people, Raheem Morris, has been hired as Atlanta Falcons head coach. But the other seven people now are totally free to be hired as head coach. Four of the people who the commanders reportedly have interviewed for their head coaching vacancy were on display on Conference Championship Sunday, when the NFC Championship game had Detroit Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson and defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn on display. Uh, the Lions lost a 34-31 loss at the San Francisco 49ers as the Lions blew a 24-7 halftime lead. Uh, Johnson's offense was great in the first half, not so good in the second half. Glenn's defense was great in the first half, not so good in the second half. And then in the AFC Championship game, we had Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald and assistant head coach slash defensive line coach Anthony Weaver on display. The Ravens lost a 17-10 home loss to the Kansas City Chiefs, but do not blame the Ravens' defense. So the Ravens held the Chiefs to just 17 points and just 4.4 yards per play. Uh, Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey was a problem. No doubt 11 receptions for 116 yards and a touchdown on 11 targets. But the Ravens' defense played well enough to win. The Ravens in the second half held the Chiefs to no points and forced a punt on each of the Chiefs' five true offensive drives. The Ravens' offense was the problem, not their defense. I want Ben Johnson as the commander's next head coach, but man, Mike McDonald is so impressive. But bottom line, Ben Johnson, Aaron Glenn, Mike McDonald, and Anthony Weaver all now can be officially hired as commander's head coach. And I do believe that the commanders will be hiring Ben Johnson as head coach. So we went into Friday with the reports having been that the commanders in the coming days would be conducting second interviews, what would be in-person interviews as opposed to virtual interviews with multiple head coaching candidates, Ben Johnson, Aaron Glenn, Mike McDonald, Anthony Weaver, and Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. The commanders last Tuesday reportedly conducted a second interview of Houston Texans offensive coordinator. Coordinator Bobby Slowick and last Wednesday reportedly conducted a second interview of then Los Angeles Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris, but he on Thursday night was officially announced as Atlanta Falcons head coach. So let's start with the latest on Ben Johnson, who to me remains the favorite to be the commander's next head coach, but things have gotten a bit confusing. Uh, So ESPN NFL insider Jeff Darlington, he on Friday on ESPN SportsCenter said that, quote, it is a pretty foregone conclusion in Washington, albeit one that we'll have to wait on to see with certainty that Ben Johnson will wind up being the coach of the commanders after the Lions season ends, end quote. So, 
That right there was significant. A respected national NFL insider in Jeff Darlington saying that Ben Johnson being the commander's next head coach is, quote, a pretty foregone conclusion, end quote. Kind of an awkward way (laughs) of of saying what he said, but we get uh, what he said. Also, NFL insider Ian Rappaport of NFL Network and NFL.com, he on NFL Network's NFL Game Day on Sunday said of Ben Johnson, quote, keep an eye on the commanders where he is a very strong candidate, end quote. Also, a friend of this podcast, Tony Pauline, consulting editor and NFL draft analyst for SportsKeeda.com. He had a piece that came out on Saturday, said, quote, the consensus at Shrine Bowl practices is something that's been buzzing in the media a few days now. Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson will be named head coach of the Washington Commanders once his run with the Lions is completed, end quote. So, Jeff Darlington, Ian Rappaport, Tony Pauline, all furthering this idea that Ben Johnson is tracking toward being the commander's head coach. However, throwing a monkey wrench into all of this was a report from ESPN NFL insider Adam Schefter late night on Saturday night. Quote, there are some who have viewed Johnson as the presumptive favorite for the Washington job, but multiple sources insist that is not true. While Johnson could land the commander's head coaching job, sources insist that there are other strong candidates, most notably Mike McDonald, Anthony Weaver, Aaron Glenn, and Dan Quinn, who remain very much in play, end quote. More on that in moments, but also over the last few days were various reports about the commander's interview schedule for this week. Uh, NFL insider Albert Breer of the MMQB, he in a piece that came out this past Friday afternoon reported that the commanders over the weekend were sending a contingent to the Detroit area to conduct in-person interviews with Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn on Monday. However, Ian Rappaport, in a report that came out early Sunday morning, reported that the commanders were not traveling to the Detroit area until Tuesday, and Commander's Insider Nikki Javala of the Washington Post, she late Sunday afternoon in a post on X reported that the commanders would be interviewing Ben Johnson in the Detroit area on Tuesday. So not exactly clear when this second interview of Ben Johnson is happening Monday or Tuesday, although Tuesday does now seem to be the day. What has become clear is that the commanders on Tuesday are conducting a second interview of Dan Quinn, as Quinn, per multiple reports on Sunday, is traveling to the Washington, D.C. area on Monday and then being interviewed by the commanders on Tuesday. So let's think about this. The commanders, if you go by the reporting here, are set to interview both Ben Johnson in the Detroit area on Tuesday and Dan Quinn in the Washington, D.C. area on Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday could be quite the day for the commanders. Uh, but this was Ian Rappaport on Friday on the show, The Insiders on NFL Plus. And you'll hear Rappaport speaking with another NFL insider from NFL Network at NFL.com, Tom Pelissero. Dan Quinn, a final, or I shouldn't say final, second interview with the Washington Commanders. That is going to happen uh, early next week. I know there's some scheduling issues, making sure everyone was in the same place. It's not like they wanted to wait. Like, this is just when it 
when it happened to be. And, and you're right, Ben Johnson obviously also in play uh, with the commanders. And, you know, what we've reached a point here, Tom, is like there's really no point in rushing because, you know, unless these two teams are going to settle on the same candidate, which I guess is possible if it's Dan Quinn, maybe, there's really no reason to rush. They can sort of settle in and go, you know what, we're just going to pick the best candidate. And everyone's hiring staffs at the same time no matter what. And that is fine, and let's just do it. But I would say this, like Dan Quinn certainly seems to be a prime candidate at both spots. Um, so it obviously is a real possibility the Cowboys end up losing their defensive coordinator. Boy, I tell you, I have a hard time seeing the commanders ultimately hiring Dan Quinn as their head coach. But he is being talked up as maybe the number two person in their head coaching search. And he does seem to be really impressive. Some more on Dan Quinn as a head coaching candidate for the Commanders. How about (laughs) this from Ian Rappaport? Uh, This was from the NFL Network show, NFL Game Day on Sunday. Brace yourself for this. Dan Quinn, the Cowboys defensive coordinator, you mentioned uh, he is a candidate with the Seahawks. Also has a second in-person interview with the Washington Commanders. Flies in Monday. That interview is Tuesday. And of course, if the Commanders are looking for not just a defensive mind, but a leader of men, Quinn would be a potential excellent fit, believed to be one of the top candidates there, along with Ben Johnson. So what if Dan Quinn leaves the Dallas Cowboys? Here's an interesting one. Ron Rivera is also has already interviewed for the Eagles defensive coordinator job. I am told that the Cowboys have some interest in potentially looking into Rivera as their defensive coordinator if Dan Quinn leaves. So Rich, you could actually have the former commander's coach become the Cowboys defensive coordinator. <laughs> so how do you like that? Former Washington head coach Ron Rivera, perhaps the next defensive coordinator of the Cowboys. Oh, what a scenario that would be for us as Commanders fans. Uh, But still lurking in the Commanders head coaching search are expected second interviews of the two Ravens guys, Mike McDonald and Anthony Weaver. Uh, The second interview of Weaver reportedly will happen on Monday. The second interview of McDonald That's going to be happening on Monday night, at least according to Adam Schefter, who on Sunday evening on X put up a post that read, quote, Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald is scheduled to meet Monday night with commander's owner Josh Harris, general manager Adam Peters, and other Washington leadership per sources, end quote. But, you know, there has been very little reporting on the commanders and Mike McDonald. In fact, as best as I can tell, it has never been reported when exactly the commanders first interviewed Mike McDonald. I've searched for that. I can't find that. And there, generally speaking, has been very little out there about the commanders and McDonald. But he is a candidate for their head coaching job. In fact, ESPN NFL insider Jeremy Fowler in a post on X on Saturday evening wrote, quote, McDonald is also considered a prime candidate in Washington, end quote. So what are we to make of all of this? Specific to Ben Johnson, I do think that he's still the leading contender to get the commander's head coaching job. I think that he is the commander's number one target. I wonder if these interviews of other candidates and this report from Adam Schefter on Saturday night 
might be about not allowing Ben Johnson's agent to have the commanders over a barrel (laughs) and what they pay him with him as their number one head coaching target. Remember, CBS Sports NFL insider Josina Anderson on December 21st in a post on X said that per a source, some NFL owners had been told that the asking price of Ben Johnson for a head coaching job was around $15 million per season. Now, Johnson's agent did push back on that big time, and maybe that was fake news, but what if it wasn't? Personally, I think that the commanders should pay whatever it takes to get the head coach who they want. There is no salary cap in the NFL for coaches, but perhaps Josh Harris does not want to have to give Ben Johnson a blank check, although Johnson is a candidate for the other remaining NFL head coaching vacancy, that of the Seattle Seahawks. So to me, if you're the commanders and if you truly want Ben Johnson as your head coach, then you shouldn't be playing little games, okay? Get him and pay him what you need to pay him. It's very interesting to me that Adam Schefter is the only major reporter who has reported that Ben Johnson isn't the presumptive favorite to be the commander's next head coach. No local person who covers the commanders has said this. No major national person has said this. Like I said a few minutes ago, Schefter's ESPN colleague, Jeff Darlington, he on Friday on SportsCenter said that Ben Johnson being the commander's next head coach is, quote, a pretty foregone conclusion, end quote. And don't forget about what we talked about on last Monday's show, episode 745, NFL insider Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports seen a post on X on January 20th reporting that sources considered Ben Johnson, quote, the favorite to land the Washington job, end quote. And not that Boomer Esiason is a reporter, but keep in mind what CBS NFL analyst and former Maryland quarterback Boomer Esiason said on his show, Boomer and Geo, on WFAN Radio in New York and on CBS Sports Network on television this past Wednesday morning that Ben Johnson is, quote, gonna be the head coach of the commanders, end quote, and that that is a lock. So Adam Schefter is on an island with this stuff about Ben Johnson not being the presumptive favorite to be the commander's next head coach. And I wonder if Schefter has been fed this by people from the commanders or by people associated with the commanders or perhaps by agents who want their non-Ben Johnson head coaching candidates to continue to appear to be viable in the commander's head coaching race, perhaps for negotiating purposes with other NFL teams. Adam Schefter is a major national NFL reporter, but he has shown himself to be willing to be used. Do you remember the Dalvin Cook fiasco? Are you familiar with the Dalvin Cook fiasco? Schefter, in a tweet on November 9th, 2021, wrote, quote, Minnesota Vikings RB Dalvin Cook is the victim of domestic abuse and extortion. There's pending litigation, according to his agent, Zach Hiller, end quote. So that intel clearly came from Cook's agent. But then just about 45 minutes later, the Star Tribune of Minneapolis reported that Dalvin Cook was facing a lawsuit from a former girlfriend alleging assault, battery, and false imprisonment. Adam Schefter apologized for his reporting Uh, saying that he initially did not reach out to the woman's side. So, in other words, Schefter received and willingly put out there what he was told by Dalvin Cook's agent, Zach Hiller. 
I mean, how do you not reach out to the woman's side, okay? That is like journalism 101, okay? That is reporting 101. You reach out to both sides before going with something, especially something as delicate as this Dalvin Cook situation from a few years ago. So I think that it is possible that Adam Schefter is being used here in this Ben Johnson situation. But we'll see. Look, I believe that Ben Johnson will be the commander's next head coach, but until it's done, it isn't done. That is true. And there's a lot with this commander's head coaching search that we don't know and that isn't being reported. Heck, commander's insider John Keim of ESPN, he on X on Sunday evening wrote the following, quote, Washington has five interviews set for this week, Weaver, McDonald, Quinn, Glenn, and Johnson. Based on what I've gathered, those should be wrapped up Tuesday night, should be no guarantee, then will depend on if their guy is still in postseason or not. But they've been so quiet, it's hard to fully know their plans. Just have to piece it together. End quote. Yeah, I can tell you that the Josh Harris group has not been a leaky group, at least so far. And that would suggest that what Adam Schefter reported on Saturday night did not come from the commanders. Uh, By the way, Ian Rappaport, in his report that came out early Sunday morning, did note that, quote, owner Josh Harris wants a full look at each candidate And the commanders might even have finalists after the second interviews for more conversations, end quote. So we have second interviews with these commanders head coaching candidates, and then we may have a third round of interviews with several finalists. So this commanders head coaching search could last through this week, maybe even last into next week. Uh, Or (laughs) the commanders just may hire Ben Johnson on the spot upon visiting him in the Detroit area this week, okay? Like, everything else going on may be a smokescreen, and it may be about to go down in Motown, the commanders landing their man, hiring Ben Johnson upon visiting him in the Detroit area this week. Like, that could happen as well. Uh, It also is at least funny, and perhaps very telling, that the commanders for these second interviews are going to Ben Johnson and also Aaron Glenn, uh, whereas Dan Quinn is uh, coming to the commanders. Uh, Ben Johnson is the target, and hopefully he will be hired as the commander's head coach sometime this week. Well, if you live in Northern Virginia and you have a masonry fireplace, what you need to do this week is call Nova Fireplace and Stove, which right now is offering an outstanding deal to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. You right now can get an in-stock wood insert at an extremely discounted price, just six thousand dollars plus tax. The usual price is nine thousand dollars plus tax. So this is a 33% discount and the six thousand dollars plus tax includes installation, permit, and county slash city inspection. And you can get a government funded tax credit as well up to two thousand dollars dropping the price to just four thousand dollars all things considered a site visit is required and you must have a masonry fireplace but if you live in northern Virginia call Nova fireplace and stove five seven one five one three three eight zero three ask to talk to my guy Stuart Moore he's the general manager he's a big commanders fan he's a loyal listener of this podcast mention that Al Galdi sent you and get this exceptional deal on an in-stock wood insert again 
33% off. A standard masonry fireplace is only about 10% efficient, but a wood insert is over 70% efficient. A wood insert installed into a masonry fireplace elongates the burn time of your logs. This is a great way to heat your home and save money on heating your home. Uh, visit NovaFireplaceAndStove.com to check out customer reviews of Nova Fireplace and Stove, but call Nova Fireplace and Stove, 571-513-3803, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. That's Nova Fireplace and Stove, 571-513-3803, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Well, the Capitals have arrived at a break in their season. Uh, the Caps now are in the midst of not having a game for nine days, uh, this due to a bye week and then the NHL All-Star break. Uh, the Caps' next game is not until February 6th. Uh, the Caps at this break are an odd team to figure out. Uh, they, for this NHL regular season, are 22-18-7 and, and are part of a three-way tie for fifth in the eight-team Metropolitan Division at 51 points. Uh, the Caps are just five points behind the Philadelphia Flyers for third in the Metro, but the Caps have the third worst goal differential in the Eastern Conference, minus 31. As we have discussed, the Caps are retooling, not rebuilding, but whether they should be rebuilding may well be determined by what happens the rest of this season. The Caps are teetering, okay? They've won enough to where them making the Stanley Cup playoffs this season isn't unthinkable, but they've also been bad enough to where the notion that they need to commit to a rebuild also is not unthinkable. Uh, one game for the Caps over the weekend, a 5-4 overtime loss at the Dallas Stars on Saturday afternoon. The Caps suffered their fourth consecutive loss, tying their longest losing streak of this NHL regular season. Now, the Caps did rally to at least get a point. Uh, they scored two goals over the final two minutes, one second of the third period to overcome a 4-2 third period deficit. That was really good, but the Caps were down 4-2 in the third period, and that right there uh, was a problem. Uh, the Caps got demolished in the puck possession battle over the first two periods before having a good third period. But the Caps over the first two periods had just 13 shots on goal to the Stars' 26. And per natural Statrick had just 24 5-on-5 shot attempts to the Stars' 45, including just two 5-on-5 high-danger shot attempts to the Stars' 9. Uh, the Caps in a third period that they won 2-1 had 15 shots on goal to the Stars' 8, and per natural Statrick had 20 five-on-five five shot attempts to the Stars' 15. Uh, Charlie Lindgren was the cap starting goaltender for the sixth time in eight games, but he stopped just 30 of the 35 shots on goal that he faced. Lindgren, per natural stat trick, gave up two goals on high-danger shots on goal and gave up three goals on medium-danger shots on goal. Uh, second consecutive rough game for Lindgren. He and the Caps, a 6-2 loss at the Colorado Avalanche this past Wednesday night, stopped just 25 of the 31 shots on goal that he faced. Uh, the Caps, on Saturday afternoon, went just one of two on the penalty kill, but did go one of two on the power play as a top-line left wing. Alex Ovechkin had a good game 
Uh, Ovi had a power play goal exactly 18 minutes into the third period, had a secondary assist, had a game-high tying four shots on goal, and had a game-high 11 total shot attempts. Uh, And he was number two on the Caps in five-on-five shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 51.43. The Caps with Ovechkin on the ice in five-on-five situations in the game had 18 shot attempts versus allowing 17 shot attempts. Alex Ovechkin for this regular season has just nine goals. A lot has been made of that, but he is tied for first on the Caps with 31 points, and he is number two on the Caps in expected goals per moneypuck.com. Ovi per moneypuck.com should have 15 goals this regular season based on his volume and quality of shots. It's funny, Ovechkin per money puck has more expected goals than the Caps' actual leader in goals <laughs> this regular season. Top line center Dylan Strom has. But Strom on Saturday afternoon continued his very good season. He scored an even strength goal 19-17 into the third period to tie the game at four. This was his team leading 19th goal of this regular season. And he had a game high tying four shots on goal, and he was number one on the Caps in five-on-five shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 63.33. The Caps with Strom on the ice in five-on-five situations in the game had 19 shot attempts versus allowing 11 shot attempts. Uh, Also, third-line left wing Anthony Mantha continued his resurgence season. He, on Saturday afternoon, scored an even-strength goal 940 into the first period and had a primary assist. Uh, The Caps in this game did suffer injury. Third line right wing Max Pacioretty left the game due to a lower body injury, but the good news is that the injury is not to his twice torn right Achilles tendon. Uh, And so now for the Caps is this bye week and then the NHL All-Star break. Uh, NHL All-Star weekend is uh, this weekend is happening at Scotiabank Arena in Toronto this Thursday, February 1st through this Saturday, February 3rd. Uh, The Caps alone All-Star is winger Tom Wilson. The Caps next game isn't until February 6th, home to the Montreal Canadiens, Tuesday night, February 6th at 7. Here was Caps head coach Spencer Carberry during his postgame session with reporters on Saturday evening on his message to his team going into this break. Well, to rest, recharge, and um, unfortunately, the schedule is not going to get any easier for our group. And we've got our work cut out for us um, coming home here. So that's okay. Like We, we know um, we're in a difficult division. It's hard to make the playoffs in the NHL. And, um, you know, we've put ourselves in a spot where, where we need to uh, get some points back. And so we understand that. It's going to take a bunch of work. We're going to have to get tighter in a lot of different areas. We're going to have to get better offensively. We're going to have to get some guys rolling and get their seasons kick-started, and that's okay. But we're, we're going to work and fight, and when we get back from the break, we'll... Um, you know, have two two and a half months to to the finish line. That that we are going to put everything we absolutely have into it. Yeah, the Caps will come back from the break with about a month to go until the 2024 NHL trade deadline, which is on March 8th at 3 p.m. Eastern.
Well, like the Capitals over the weekend, the Wizards over the weekend had just one game, and it was an afternoon game. Uh, a 12 p.m. Eastern game at the NBA worst <laughs> Detroit Pistons, who won at the Wizards just two weeks ago. Uh, the Wizards on Monday afternoon, January 15th, lost to the Pistons 129-117 at Capital One Arena in the Wizards' annual home game on Martin Luther King Jr. Day afternoon. Uh, well, the Wizards on Saturday afternoon did not lose. Uh, they won. Yes, a Wizards victory. Uh, they, for this NBA regular season, improved to eight and 37 with a 118-104 win at the Pistons, who fell to 5-40. and 40. Uh, The Wizards snapped a six-game losing streak. Uh, the Wizards overcame a 12-point first-quarter deficit. They won the fourth quarter 31-19, and they won with defense. Uh, this was the second game for Brian Keith as Wizards interim head coach of the big news last Thursday morning, Monumental Basketball President Michael Winger announcing that Wes Unsell Jr. was out as Wizards head coach, that he would, quote, transition from his role as head coach of the Washington Wizards into a front office advisory position, end quote. Uh, Keefe's first game as Wizards interim head coach was a game that night, uh, a 123-108 loss to the Utah Jazz at Capital One Arena last Thursday night. But the Wizards in this win at the Pistons on Saturday afternoon did win what they so rarely did under Wes Unsell Jr. Played good defense. So the Wizards held the Pistons to just 9-32 on threes. The Wizards allowed the Pistons to score just 44 points in the paint, although the Pistons did go 28-53 on twos, but the Wizards totaled 10 steals in generating 17 Pistons turnovers and outscoring the Pistons in points off turnovers at 21 13. Uh, the Pistons are awful. I get that. But <laughs> so are the Wizards. Uh, and they, in that home loss to the Pistons two weeks ago, did not play good defense. The Wizards in that game were horrible defensively. Uh, this was Brian Keith during his postgame press conference on Saturday afternoon. I think it was actually a continuation of what we built off the other night. Um, we started to have a little more defensive activity in our, in our last game. And I think that carried over to tonight. Um, like I said, we in our pregame, you know, defense has to be our calling card, what we we put our name on. And I thought the guys really were competitive and fought, and uh, those habits were, were great tonight. All right. Uh, the Wizards offensively on Saturday afternoon were bad on threes, but were good inside and took care of the basketball. The Wizards went just 11-34 on threes, but went 32-61 in the paint in outscoring the Pistons in points in the paint, 64-44, and the Wizards had 26 assists versus 10 turnovers. Uh, also, the Wizards had 16 offensive rebounds to the Pistons, 11 and 21 second chance points to the Pistons, 10. Two players key in this regard were Daniel Gafford and the former Piston, Marvin Bagley III. Uh, Gafford, in 27 minutes, 34 seconds as a starter, went 7-10 to 10 from the field, all twos, and 1-2 on free throws. He finished with 15 points, 13 rebounds, including six offensive boards and three steals. And Marvin Bagley the third was good yet again 
since being acquired via trade with the Pistons on January 14th. Bagley, in just 19 minutes, 57 seconds off the bench, had 13 points, eight rebounds, including five offensive boards and two assists. He did commit three turnovers. He went three of seven from the field, all twos and seven of eight on free throws. Uh, strange game for Kyle Kuzma. He, in 32 minutes, six seconds as a starter, was terrible on threes, but excellent on twos. He went just three of 13 on three but he went 10 of 14 on twos, and he went one of two on free throws. He finished with 30 points, six rebounds, and four assists versus one turnover. And Jordan Poole was efficient. Yes, I said Jordan Poole was efficient. 29 minutes, 10 seconds as a starter, three of six on threes, three of six on twos, and two of two on free throws. He finished with 17 points and a game best plus minus rating of plus 25. Meantime, The 2024 NBA trade deadline, which is on Thursday, February 8th at 3 p.m. Eastern. Interesting nugget from one of the top NBA insiders, Brian Winhorst of ESPN. This was Winhorst on his podcast, Brian Winhorst and the Hoop Collective. Uh, This is an episode that came out this past Friday, January 26th. Uh, The episode was taped this past Thursday, January 25th. Uh, Winhorst is doing this show with fellow ESPN NBA insiders Tim Bontemps and Tim McMahon, and this was Winhorst on Our Wizards. Here's what's important. Here's what I want to say. The challenge with the Wizards rebuild right now is that they don't really have extra picks. Yeah. They got three second rounders for Bradley Beal, and getting off of that contract was important for them to do. And you could almost argue if that was the only thing that they got accomplished this year, that they would have stepped forward. But they ended up flopping that to get Jordan Poole, who is not working out. Uh, that is now a contract. That is now a toxic contract at this point. So mm. the the challenge that they have is they obviously are going to need draft picks to restock that team more than just the picks that they have. And they owe a pick going forward. I think they yeah, owe it's a, a, it's a it's a it's a it's an extraordinarily unlikely yeah. to convey pick to the Knicks. It's, it's, I it's agree. But pick that's the, point is, all over the, the point is they're actually negative pick. They're actually right. minus one picks, first round picks. So the question is, is, you know, in this next two weeks, the deadline's two weeks from today, can they acquire any picks? And I think just about the whole roster is available and Tyus Jones being at the front of that. And yeah. they are going to be hunting for draft picks they are they that's what is what they need the most especially if they can squeeze a first even if they're looking at guys where they're not even getting a quote-unquote good first they have to to do this Mm -hmm. and that's a mandate all right and how about that last line from brian winhorst the wizards acquiring picks via trade leading up to the nba trade deadline is a mandate uh presumably from ownership Uh, The most likely Wizards player to be dealt prior to the trade deadline would seem to be point guard Tyus Jones, uh, who is on an expiring contract. Who else is the question? As we discussed on last Thursday's show, episode 748, ESPN NBA insider Adrian Wojnarowski. Woj, uh, he on the episode of his podcast, the Woj Pod, that came out this past Tuesday, said that the Wizards are, quote, very reticent, end quote, to trade Kyle Kuzma. Uh, Jordan Poole is not having a good season, so if he's traded, he'll be traded at a low value point. I have seen Denny Avdia come up 
Uh, I would be really reluctant to trade Denny if I'm the Wizards. Denny is in just his age 23 season. He is having a good season. Denny, for this regular season, has a career best, a true shooting percentage of 594. And he's now under contract for years to come. The Wizards this past October 23rd announced the signing of Denny to a contract extension, what was a reported four-year, $55 million contract extension. Uh, But of course, all of these things do make Denny Avdia attractive on the trade market. So if another team offers a first-round pick for Denny, I guess it's something you have to think about. But to me, Denny Avdia can be a building block for the Wizards. He can be a piece that the team keeps and has moving forward and hopefully is in his prime years when the Wizards finally, hopefully, get good. (laughs) Uh, Next up for the Wizards is a game on Monday night at the Western Conference Worst San Antonio Spurs Monday night at 8. We've spent the last two segments talking Capitals and Wizards. Underdog fantasy is great, not just for fantasy football, but also fantasy basketball, pro and college, and fantasy hockey. The daily pick'em games are super easy and fun. The season-long fantasy is simple. Underdog fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports, and it has a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. A deposit match of up to $100 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code GALDI and to make a first deposit of at least $10. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and use that promo code GALDI. Underdog Fantasy also offers season-long fantasy with a zero-stress scenario of no waivers, no trades, even no lineup setting. We all know that playing fantasy sports can be ultra-time-consuming. Well, Underdog Fantasy removes the time consumption but keeps the fun and the potential to win money and take advantage of the free money. If you sign up now with the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI, Underdog Fantasy will double your first deposit with up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of at least $10. So in other words, if you deposit $100, you get $100 for free. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and use the promo code GALDI. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and must be present in a state in which underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. And in Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, we all love the NFL and we all love pizza. So make Little Caesars part of your NFL game day. Little Caesars is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. Order online this Sunday, Pro Bowl Sunday, and enjoy some football and great pizza. Pick the toppings that you crave, kind of like NFL teams picking new head coaches, only with Little Caesars pizza, you can't go wrong. Uh, And Little Caesars offers convenient delivery as well as the in-store pizza portal pickup. So enjoy football and pizza. Little Caesars, pizza, pizza. We move now to college basketball. We on Saturday had Maryland, Georgetown, Virginia, and Virginia Tech all playing. The Terrapins, Cavaliers, and Hokies all won. The Hoyas did not win, although they made things interesting. Uh, more on that in a bit. But Maryland, it for this season, improved to 13-8 and overall and 5-5 five and five in the Big Ten with a 73-51 win over Nebraska at Xfinity Center in College Park, Maryland on Saturday afternoon. The Terps at 22 points margin of victory, their largest margin of victory in a home Big Ten game since March 3rd, 2016. The Terps have gotten going here. They now are 4-2 and two in the Big Ten since their 1-3 start to conference play this season. Uh, this game was a blowout win for the Terps despite them getting off to a terrible start. They allowed Nebraska to begin the game on a 12-2 run, but they then won the rest of the game 71-39. Uh, each team was good on threes, but bad on twos and free throws. The Terps went 11 to 26 on threes, but just 15 of 38 on twos and just 10 of 14 on free throws. And the Terps allowed Nebraska to go 10 of 21 on threes, but held Nebraska to just 7 of 22 on twos. And Nebraska went just 7 to 12 on free throws. But the Terps defense overall was good. They held Nebraska to just 51 points, including just 39 points over the final 35 minutes, 31 seconds of the game. And the Terps totaled 11 steals in generating 18 Nebraska turnovers and outscoring Nebraska in points off turnovers 25-8. Also, the Terps out-rebounded Nebraska 43-25, including having 17 offensive rebounds to Nebraska's three and thus 18 second-chance points to Nebraska's five. Two Terps reserves, Jamie Kaiser Jr. and Jahari Long, combined to go seven of nine on threes. We have talked about the Terps' lack of scoring from players beyond the big three of Jameer Young, Julian Reese, and Dante Scott. Well, two players beyond that big three uh, came through on Saturday afternoon. 6'6", true freshman Jamie Kaiser Jr., a four-star recruit out of IMG Academy in Florida. He, in just 17 minutes, 49 seconds off the bench, scored 14 points. He went 4 of 5 on threes, 0 of 2 on twos, and 2 of 2 on free throws. And 6'5", Jahari Long, he, in 18 minutes, 28 seconds off the bench, scored 11 points. He went 3 of 4 on threes and 1 of 1 
on twos. Uh, as for the big three, 6'9", Julian Reese, 32 minutes, 25 seconds as a starter. He went just 5 of 11 from the field, all twos, and just 5 of 8 on free throws, but he finished with 15 points, 16 rebounds, including three offensive boards and three steals. 6'1", point guard Jameer Young, he in 33 minutes, 26 seconds as a starter, went just 5 of 15 from the field, just 2 of 7 on threes and just 3 of 8 on twos. But he did a number of other things well. He finished with 12 points, 9 rebounds, including 5 offensive boards, 6 assists versus 2 turnovers and 2 steals. Uh, and 6'8", Dante Scott, he in 30 minutes, 35 seconds as a starter, went 0 of 5 on threes, but he did go 3 of 6 on twos and 3 of 3 on free throws. And he did finish with 9 points, 5 assists versus 1 turnover and four rebounds. This was Terps head coach Kevin Willard during his post-game press conference on Saturday afternoon on how and why his team in this game turned things around of being down 12-2, four and a half minutes into the game. I mean, you know, Jahari hit a big three that kind of relaxed everybody. I mean, we got in Thursday morning at three o'clock in the morning and we didn't really practice on Thursday. Um, and because of class yesterday, we didn't we didn't practice. We just had two walkthroughs. We walked through at 12, and we walked through at, I think it was 8 last night. Um, and every time I've done that with, with this team, they've they've come out and struggled a little bit. So um, I really wasn't that worried about it. I, I, I know they were getting open threes, but it was only a matter of time until we kind of picked up our defensive intensity. I mean, we're the number one defensive team in the Big Ten, and it's not even close right now. I think it's almost like three whole points on Kempom. Um, you know, I think it's, we're down to 11th in, in the country. So as bad as we've been offensively for these guys to come out and play the defense they have, it just tells us tells you something about the character of these kids. Yeah, the Terps this season have not been a good offensive team, but they have been a very good defensive team. The Terps for this season as of games through Saturday were number seven in Division One men's basketball and KenPalm.com's adjusted defensive efficiency, which is points allowed per 100 possessions adjusted for opponents. Uh, next up for Maryland at Michigan State this Saturday evening at 5.30. Also on Saturday afternoon was the return of Ed Cooley to Providence, uh, though his uh, new team lost uh, Georgetown for this season, fell to 8-12 overall and 1-8 in the Big East with an 84-76 loss at Providence on Saturday afternoon. First game for Georgetown head coach Ed Cooley against Providence since leaving Providence to become Hoyas head coach last March. Uh, Ed Cooley uh, in this game was booed relentlessly. Uh, This was a Providence crowd that was juiced up. Cooley is from and grew up in Providence, Rhode Island. He was Providence's head coach for 12 seasons, 2011-2012 through 2022-2023. And replacing Ed Cooley as Providence head coach was Kim English, who left his job as George Mason head coach to become a Providence head coach. Uh, the Hoyas in this game overcame a 12-point second-half deficit. They held a three-point lead at 69-66 with less than three minutes left in the second half, but the Hoyas then allowed Providence to end the game on an 18-7 run. Uh, their defense was very mixed. They held Providence to just 5-19 on threes and generated 16 Providence turnovers, but the Hoyas allowed Providence to go 23 of 30 on twos and allowed Providence to generate 27 
free throw attempts. The Friars went at 23 of 27 on free throws. Among the Providence players with whom the Hoyas had a hard time was 6'9", George Mason transfer Josh Aduro, who in just 28 minutes as a starter had 22 points, 6 rebounds, and 2 steals. He went 8 of 10 from the field, all 2s, and 6 of 7 on free throws. And the Hoyas got shredded by 6'3", Devin Carter, who scored 11 points over the final one minute, 53 seconds of the game. Carter in 38 minutes as a starter went two of five on threes, eight of nine on twos, and seven of nine on free throws. He finished with 29 points, four steals, four rebounds, two blocks, and two assists versus one turnover. As for the Hoyas offense, uh, their shooting in the first half was the opposite of their shooting in the second half. The Hoyas in the first half went just 3 of 11 on threes and just 9 to 23 on twos, but did go 6 of 6 on free throws. And the Hoyas in the second half went 6 of 15 on threes and 9 of 13 on twos, but just 7 of 12 on free throws. Uh, 6-2 Illinois transfer Jaden Epps 40 minutes as a starter. He went just 9-27 from the field. 3 of 13 on threes and 6 of 14 on twos. And he committed 5 turnovers. He did go 5 of 5 on free throws. Did finish with 26 points, 6 assists, and 4 rebounds. Uh, 6-9 Fairfield transfer Supreme Cook 28 minutes as a starter. He went just 1 of 5 on free throws. Had no assists versus 2 turnovers and fouled out of the game, but he also went 7-10 from the field all twos and finished with 15 points and 4 rebounds. Good stuff from 6-9 Kansas State transfer Ishmael Masood. Uh, 34 minutes off the bench. He went 4 of 8 on threes, 1 of 2 on twos, and 2 of 2 on free throws. He finished with 16 points and 7 rebounds, including 4 offensive boards. Next up for Georgetown, home to number 14 Marquette this Saturday afternoon at 2. I earlier mentioned that Maryland has gotten going. Uh, so too has Virginia. Uh, the Cavs for this season improved to 15-5 and overall and 6-3 and in the ACC with a 69-52 win at Louisville on Saturday afternoon. The Cavs won their fourth consecutive game, although they did win at a Louisville team that is not good. Uh, Louisville came into the game just 1-7 and in the ACC on the season. But still, the Cavs never trailed in a game and in the first half led by 30 points. Uh, the Cavs' defense was great. They held Louisville to just 52 points, including just 13 points in the first half. Uh, the Cavs at the half held a 41-13 lead. Uh, they held Louisville to just 3 of 11 on threes and just 12 of 31 on twos. And the Cavs totaled 14 steals and generating 18 Louisville turnovers and outscoring Louisville in points off turnovers at 20 Four, nine. The Cavs for this season, as of games through Saturday, were number six in Division I men's basketball and Kempom.com's adjusted defensive efficiency. Uh, also, the Wahoos on Saturday afternoon did shoot well from the field. Uh, they went 8 of 17 on threes and 19 of 37 on twos. Uh, some standouts for UVA 6 8, Ryan Dunn, 29 minutes, 20 seconds as a starter, 8 of 10 from the field, all twos, and 3 of 4 on free throws. He finished with 19 points, 11 rebounds, and two 
blocks. 6-3 Reese Beekman, he in 30 minutes, 15 seconds as a starter with 0-3 on threes, 3-6 on twos, and 3-4 on free throws. He finished with 9 points, 9 assists versus 2 turnovers, 5 steals, and a game-best plus-minus rating of plus 31. And 6-4 Isaac McNeely, he in 30 minutes, 15 seconds as a starter with 3-4 on threes. Did go 0-4 on twos, finished with 9 points, but McNeely as of games through Saturday was number 3 among all qualified Division I men's basketball players in three-point percentage for this season, 47.57. Next up for Virginia, home to Notre Dame Wednesday night at 7. And Virginia Tech, it for this season, improved to 13-7 overall and and 5-4 in the ACC with a 91-67 win over Georgia Tech at Castle Coliseum in Blacksburg, Virginia on Saturday evening. The Hokies held Georgia Tech to just 17 of 44 on twos, and the Hokies' offense was great. They scored 91 points, went 12 of 27 on threes, 20 of 31 on twos, and 15 of 17 on free throws, and had 23 assists versus seven turnovers. This was an impressive win for the Hokies, uh, albeit against the Georgia Tech team that came into the game just a two and six in the ACC on the season. But seven Hokies each scored at least seven points, uh, leading the way with 6'10 center Lynn Kidd. He in just 15 minutes <laughs> as a starter had 18 points and four rebounds, including three offensive boards. He went 7-9 from the field, all twos and 4-4 on free throws. He played for just 15 minutes in large part due to committing four fouls, but Lynn Kidd really is one of the most efficient players in the country in terms of production per minute, and he, as of games through Saturday, was number five among all qualified Division I men's basketball players at field goal percentage for this season, 66.27. Next up for Virginia Tech home to number 12 Duke, Monday night at 7. And I have some baseball for you before we call it a show. First of all, the national signing of free agent outfielder slash first baseman Joey Gallo now is official. The Nats on Saturday afternoon officially announced having agreed with Gallo on a one-year contract with a mutual option for 2025. The Nats in their press release did label Gallo an outfielder. Uh, It was last Tuesday afternoon that we had multiple reports of the Nats having agreed with Gallo on a one-year contract. $5 million contract. As we discussed on last Wednesday's show, episode 747, Joey Gallo is a classic three true outcome batter. Uh, He hits a lot of home runs, he draws a lot of walks, and he strikes out (laughs) a lot. Uh, But to amplify the point about Gallo hitting homers, how about this? Gallo over the 2017 through 2023 regular seasons ranked number three among all qualified batters in the majors in at-bats per home run at 13.16, and his 184 home runs during that span ranked number four in the American League. Uh, The Nats for last regular season were number 29 out of 30 major league teams in home runs, just 151. Uh, But also over the weekend was MLB Pipeline on Friday night putting out the outlet's latest list of the top 100 prospects in baseball. Uh, The Nats had three top 
100 prospects. They were all within the top 48. Outfielder Dylan Cruz was number seven. Outfielder James Wood was number 14. And third baseman Brady House was number 48. Having three of the top 48 prospects in baseball is quite good, to say nothing of having two of the top 14 prospects in baseball. All three of these guys should make their Major League regular season debuts this coming season, but it is worth noting that not on the list were two Nats outfielders and a Nats starting pitcher who were on MLB Pipeline's top 100 prospects list that came out in January 2023. Outfielder Robert Hassel III, who was number 35 last January, he was off the list. Outfielder Elijah Green, who was number 46 last January, he was off the list. And starting pitcher Cade Cavalli, who was number 58 last January, he was off the list. Uh, Now, Cavalli is coming off Tommy John surgery that he underwent last March, but both Hassel and Green had really bad 2023 seasons. Uh, How the Nats fared in this MLB pipeline list of the top 100 prospects in baseball was similar to how the Nats fared in Baseball America's latest list of the top 100 prospects in baseball. That list came out on January 17th. The Nats had three top 100 prospects, but they were all within the top 55. Dylan Cruz was number six. James Wood was number 11. And Brady House was number 55. But Robert Hassel III, Elijah Green, and Cade Cavalli all were off the list of having made the list in January 2023. As for the Orioles, uh, their farm system, which has been loaded for years now, continues to be loaded. Uh, The O's in the Baseball America Top 100 Prospects list that came out on January 17th had six Top 100 Prospects, and the O's in this MLB Pipeline Top 100 Prospects list that came out this past Friday night had six Top 100 prospects, and they were all within the top 63, six of the top 63 prospects in baseball. Shortstop slash second baseman Jackson Holiday was number one. Catcher slash first baseman Samuel Basayo was number 17. Outfielder Colton Kowser was number 19. Third baseman slash first baseman Kobe Mayo was number 30. Outfielder Heston Kerstad was number 32. And infielder Joey Ortiz was number 63. The O's with six top 100 prospects had the second most top 100 prospects on the list. The Chicago Cubs were number one with seven. But Jackson Holiday, the hype for this guy continues to soar. Holiday also was the number one prospect in baseball on the Baseball America Top 100 Prospects list that came out on January 17th, making it so that the O's became the first team in the 35-year history of Baseball America ranking prospects to have the number one prospect in the outlet's initial prospect rankings for each of three consecutive years. Catcher Adley Rutschman in 2022, infielder Gunnar Henderson in 2023, and Jackson Holiday in 2024. Enough cannot be said about the work of Orioles Executive Vice President and General Manager Mike Elias in taking the Orioles farm system from a joke uh, to now perhaps the best in baseball. Joe Angel, give it to me. And the Orioles again in the win column. Yes, that's right, Joe. Uh, And 
from a Nats perspective, keep in mind that they now have a person who was a key part of the Orioles farm system getting good. The Nats on October 25th officially announced the hiring of Brad Cielek as Senior Director of Amateur Scouting. The Nats plucked Cielek from the O's. He was the Orioles Director of Draft Operations from November 2021 to October 2023. He had been with the O's in various scouting capacities since January 2013, and that followed a previous stint with the O's from February 2011 to November 2011. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tuesday show, episode 751. We'll have plenty for you on the Commanders. Also on Tuesday show, I'll talk Wizards and Virginia Tech basketball. The Wizards are at the Western Conference worst, San Antonio Spurs, Monday night at 8. The Hokies are home to number 12 Duke. Monday night at 7. Have a great rest of your Monday, and I'll talk to you on Tuesday. So what if Dan Quinn leaves the Dallas Cowboys? Here's an interesting one. Ron Rivera is also has already interviewed for the Eagles defensive coordinator job. I am told that the Cowboys have some interest in potentially looking into Rivera as their defensive coordinator if Dan Quinn leaves. So, Rich, you could actually have the former commander's coach become the Cowboys defensive coordinator.